Welcome to Architecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology vendors. I'm Mike Shields, and I'm here with Matthew Goldhill. He's the Chief Revenue Officer at Picnic. Hey, Matthew, thanks for being here. Hi, lovely to meet you. Same. So let's start with the big, important question from the top. What does Picnic do? Yes, Picnic is the user-first media platform. So what we want to do is find the most user-friendly websites and ad formats across the internet, and then deliver campaigns for advertisers which work, delivering either brand awareness or a return on investment, so lower funnel campaigns. And the reason they work is because we deliver in the most user-friendly, high-quality environments. Okay. I'm going to drill into some specifics on how you how that works and where this stuff runs and what we're talking about. But let's just cover off a couple of basics if we can. When was Picnic founded and where are you based? So we were founded in 2017. So I'm one of the co-founders uh, uh, based in London. And with a kind of wandering journey to get to where we are now, we kind of launched the first version of the product we have now in uh, 2019. Okay. How many employees do you have? And what does it make up in terms of like product engineering sales, mm -hmm. roughly? So we have just over 20 employees. We have four salespeople, a kind of senior management team, which is myself, uh, head of sales, uh, head of products, head of operations, head of finance, four engineers, uh, a couple of partnership people, marketing, and client success. Okay. And um, what, what is your ownership structure? So I'm one of the co-founders. My old co-founder left the business a few years ago, so I'm the majority shareholder. And then we raised investment in kind of two smallish rounds, one from a UK-based VC called Guinness Ventures, started uh -huh. by people involved with the Guinness beer. So we celebrated Great. at an Irish pub. Great and then we just and just closed an investment round from angels, including Brian O'Kelly, the founder of MIQ, Gorman uh, Hundle, uh, First Party Capital, the UK-based uh, kind of ad tech investment company, and also sure. Aperion Ventures. And you mentioned you're based in London, but are, is, you, is most of your business in the UK? Are you global, US? What, what does that look like so far? Yeah, so I'm calling from uh, or based now in America. So I moved around six months ago in order to launch our US operations. But the majority of the rest of the, the staff and business is based in the UK with revenues spread ac across Europe. So okay. live in countries like Germany, Spain, France, Italy, Poland, but all that revenue booked from the UK. Gotcha. Okay, so let's get specific about product. You talked broadly about your mission. Like, what, what does your product do exactly? How does it work? Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll start at the beginning about like what the product was, if, if that's useful. Yeah, so yeah. when we first launched the product in 2019, it was as simple as a sponsored story ad format served mid-article on Google AMP pages. So it was a high-impact mobile uh, ad format business, but based around products and um, inventory which were built to be user-friendly. So we were kind of first in market with a sponsored story format. So like uh, the native ads concept, but taken a little further to sponsored stories. Is that, is that a way? Yeah, to exactly. About it? Uh, I mean, it, get, it kind of got caught in the social display bracket where we weren't really aware of spatial display as a concept at the time. It was a three person or two person company, in fact. And I really loved stories as a medium. And so we thought, let's let's make this work in a new environment. And then we chose Google AMP as a place to serve our ads because they were fast loading, slick, had this kind of, you know, Facebook-esque user experience. So we wanted to replicate those qualities of social media, but on the open web. So people like um, stories on Instagram. Let's do that. Let's run that on all kinds of websites instead of batters is that 
roughly exactly. thinking that exactly that's how the product started and then we expanded first into new formats so we launched a whole suite of social display other social display formats so we have posts or carousels or clips which is a kind of reels or, or tiktok style formats we build out a whole host of, of user-friendly mobile formats and they all have these really clear set of principles so they can never be full screen never disrupt or block the content and they always have to have user agency involved in the uh, kind of click out process so we we always optimize against fat finger clicks and then serving on google amp pages was a real uh, differentiator for us at the time we had probably the only way of serving a campaign entirely on google amp pages and we were the only high impact format on amp pages so it's a real unique proposition in market saying these are really valuable mobile web pages and no one's serving on them so we can uh, deliver a high quality campaign on there okay We've then expanded out the the kind of web pages we can serve on. So first of all, we started working to identify web pages which uh, were Core Web Vitals compliant. So Core Web Vitals is a Google algorithm for determining how user-friendly a page is based on three core metrics, how fast a page loads, how uh, interactive it is, how quickly you can touch the page and kind of uh, engage with the content, and then how visually stable it is, so how much content jumps up and down. And we took those as metrics of being user-friendly. So like the 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 more the higher the scores for that, uh, the, the better the page was. So we built tools to understand across the internet which pages were passing core web vital scores and what thresholds we wanted to serve our ads on. And then over the last year and a half, we've invested deeply in data science to take our understanding of user friendliness and apply it across uh, many, many, many more columns in our in our kind of uh, user friendliness database. So we were one of the first people working with Scope 3 and we have really high uh, sustainability thresholds, mm-hmm. or I should say really low sustainability thresholds. Uh, we built our own way of understanding ad density across pages, which uses both really manual tools. We work with a company which helps us take screenshots of every page we might serve on to figure out the ad density in live environments, wow. and then also automated tools to, to uh, scrape the page and figure out ad content versus editorial content. And we're building out these kind of columns in a database to understand user friendliness, which then link into quality. And the bulk of our product is still high impact formats uh, using our social display. uh, And then we've also launched some kind of non-social based rich media products. Uh, But we're also expanding out into video and standard display uh, banner sizes as well. Uh, A couple of probably basic questions. Is your product built for mobile specifically or, or open web, desktop, whatever? We are built for mobile predominantly. We're experimenting with desktop a tiny bit, um, but uh, we haven't actually found the quality we like yet or the performance that links to it yet. Uh-huh. So at the moment, it's predominantly mobile. And then are we, uh, you refer to them as social ads, are are they are they literally pulled from brand social feeds or are they reproductions that there are banners that have aspects of social ads or is, that, or is there a difference? Yeah, so all of our formats are new designs which have the familiarity of social. They're not pulled directly from social. Mm-hmm. We have a um, a platform, a studio platform, where you can paste in an Instagram link and we scrape the content from whatever social platform it is. But we that in that process, we scrape the content, save it on our servers, and then you have an editing tool to either add new features. So we have features like emoji reactions or emoji slider or, or simple uh, shoppable hotspots, things which actually don't exist on social but have social influence which might work in the uh, in the open web but also um you could take an image and upload it into our platform and you could build your own kind of socialize social display yeah okay a couple more maybe basic questions so who do you, what category do you, are you competing in? are you competing with specialists like 
You mentioned, are you competing with rich media companies? Are you competing with like a space back or are you competing with ad networks, TCOs? Yeah. So the majority of our competition would be kind of specialist rich media ad networks specifically focused on mobile. So we'll probably compete with brands or companies like SeedTag or GumGum or, okay. or Teeds for budget. I was going to say Teeds. Yeah. Our, our relationship with, we, we were coming up at probably the same time as space back and took very different routes. They're the format led platform-based route and we're more than the media network route got it okay so that was my other question do you do you sell this to publishers or agencies and they white label it and do what they want or do you have to go out there and sell media to advertisers and, and agencies yeah the majority of our revenue is is selling media to uh, agencies that's we're kind of adapting new business models all the time and we have our studio platform is self-serve and you could buy just the creative if you want but the vast majority of our revenue is is selling media, media. plus creative. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit here. Is this aimed at? Well, let's get into your typical customer because I, I wonder if this is aimed at a, the classic ad network business thrived on direct response. This feels like it's maybe different. Maybe this is aimed at brand advertisers that like social media. So, who's your typical customer? Maybe where do those budgets come from? Yeah. So our our, our typical customer is. Uh, historically has been someone looking for in the high impact space looking for a large brand awareness campaign delivering digital ads knowing that they're served in quality environments with formats which aren't disruptive and, and drive results so the vast majority of our campaigns historically would have a, a third party brand awareness measurement um, uh-huh. uh, tool uh, added in to really show that kind of uh, how, how the spend was driving increase in you know brand reception or, or brand awareness and so customers like Amazon or UK based telecom providers like EE. So like, you know, big brands and competitive spaces trying to shift the needle with brand awareness. And I think having a quality environment on mobile was really important to them where they, they knew their audience was there and they wanted to make sure those impressions weren't wasted and served in really high quality environments. Developments we've done over our product over the last year have, have highlighted the quality of the environment we're serving in and how they can also work on campaigns further down the funnel. So we've launched a brand performance solution, which is kind of targeting brands who are interested in, I wouldn't say direct response, but, you know, driving landing page conversions uh, campaigns, but are also aware that, you know, 50% plus of their conversions might not be able to be tracked by an ad server or their um, attribution partner. And they want to ensure again that it's served in a quality environment and they can get that kind of halo effect of, of a branding campaign. Campaign. So our brand performance product is aimed at really a cost-effective CPCs and uh, a lot cheaper CPM. Now, this may be evolving as you evolve, but is, are your budgets coming from social video budgets, social and social agencies? Are they coming from the typical typical mobile ad network money? Are they coming from something else? Where, where, where who, are you, who are you dealing with? These yeah, days? so m- most of our budgets are from programmatic and display teams at agencies. Okay. You know, when I launched the product, I was like we'll head straight to social agencies because they'll get this and they get this from a format perspective but actually they really want to be hands-on keyboard in meta or 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 whatever platform Mm. they're using whereas the 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 programmatic and display teams in agencies are are often internally competing to shift a one two three percent of the budget out of social and into display and programmatic and we provided a really good avenue to do that because if a brand only has social assets um but they uh, you know they're interested in media that performs we prefer could be a really good outlet for that. Interesting. It sounds like this is for agencies, big brands, not like small businesses. But you, like that, you know, you, you see on social media a lot, of, but maybe I'm wrong. 
And are there specific verticals that really work well for you so far? So, yeah, I think like, you know, the, the, I, I forget the numbers, but Facebook probably work with 5 million advertisers and lots of them are kind of like mom and pop shops. It's just but more because of the, 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 the sales channel, but also, you know, the way that Facebook ties together attribution. That isn't our target customer. It definitely is the, the bigger brands. Although, uh-huh. you know, I definitely put my hand in the ring and say our product really works for them. I think it's just our strategy at the moment to focus on bigger brands. And then the verticals, which we have most success in are entertainment. Um, so we work with lots of streaming providers, uh, TV launches, sports events uh, on upcoming TV uh, uh, providers. So those verticals, lots of government and public awareness style campaigns because they really love quality environments with high performing formats, which they they know they're not wasting any spend on. Um, Autos has been really successful for us. Um, Yeah, those are probably the biggest three at the moment. Okay. And again, this might vary by customer and brand, but look, who in a typical customer use case, can you maybe like, let us know what it looks like? Who, who's using this product at the organization? Is it like that junior, you know, planner who's, who's executing programmatic buys all day long? Where does this fit in their workflow? Or is it, or is it something different than that? What does it look like? Yeah, I'll probably give two examples. So based on our current uh, use cases, so one at like a, in the UK, a major agency holding company, the planners and the, and the buyers across an accounts team, they'll be using our product day in, day out. You can buy our product via PMPs. So we're integrated with all major DSPs. So um, we're really easy kind of turnkey solution to access really high quality mobile inventory with a, an impactful format. And then probably about 30% of our business is targeted to indies and regional agencies in both the UK and the US, where we have a managed service offering, which has all those qualities I just mentioned, but the way we're able to sell it is a very kind of uh, complex and advanced proposition in terms of being super sustainable, like uh, dealing with things like made for advertising websites before they were even a thing, dealing with Mm -hmm. lots of SBA problems, but in a really simple, easy to use, cost-effective managed service where we do the work for them. Okay. So you can do, you, it sounds like you, you can do the get run the gamut of self-serve to having like an account manager and support if you want to, um, depending on your needs and your, the size of your company, I guess. Yeah, very much. So I think like as a business of our size and in the space we are, which is kind of a layer on top of, you know, the pipes of programmatic, we would always see services either in self-serve or managed service as a key part. So making sure the PMP spends, making sure the creative looks great, or even optimizing the campaign to make sure it delivers, you know, a really good CPA. We'll, we'll do all of those things. Right. Okay. And what, again, going to vary by, by company and client, but what, what kind of results do, do you've touched on this a little bit, what kind of results do customers typically get from business objective standpoint? Yeah, maybe I'll split it into like our two main product solutions. So, you know, yeah. I've spoken about the overarching solutions. We then have like uh, uh, the overarching product, sorry. We then have solutions which are there to fit customer problems so for we have our high impact solution which we say is like the quantitative way of delivering a really impactful a high impact campaign um so using a third-party brand measurement provider so we're running a campaign at the moment with a, a large uk brand i probably can't say what it is because we're mid-campaign using a really uh, impressive a, a really good new measurement provider which has live feedback from the uh, questionnaires we're serving to a control and exposed audience and we're seeing around a 15 to 20 percent uplift in brand recognition in their key target group which is, you know, for a super competitive space they're in is is amazing and it really shows the value of the investment and that will be a big budget campaign. Okay. And then for our brand performance product, which is smaller size formats, lower CPMs, often us doing the optimizations for them, we're trying to hit a um, either the client's 
cost per acquisition or cost per lead. So we ran a campaign in America recently for a large entertainment brand trying to drive ticket purchases. There we would see a cost per acquisition of 15% lower or to 10% lower than their target, which was, you know, it's always hard to tell if you're doing a good job, but if you're lower than their target, that would be a good one. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and I'll try to give you one more. Uh, was it Barbie? Uh, those are probably those are probably the, the two good examples. And then we're in other areas we're looking, and th- these are things that we offer in kind of like an insights-led uh, solution. Would be things like reducing uh, CO two emissions, which lots of companies are doing at the moment. It's a key part of what we can do. So, from beginning of a campaign to end, we could reduce emissions from by around seventy percent from simple SBO creative optimizations. And then I think those are good examples to share. I'll probably stop okay. now that you talk. <laughs> Um, get, this might again be different, but the two different products you mentioned, but how does your pricing model work? We try and keep it as simple as possible. So it's, it's on the whole based on format size, which then leads to the kind of solution that the customer is trying to solve. So for a brand performance product, it's from around £2.50 to uh, £3.50 off the top of my head, um, net CPM. You know, it translates r- relatively similar into dollars. So $4 to $5 uh, CPM. And then for the high impact uh, products, which are larger size formats and slightly bigger uh, creative build, um, it can range from around £8 to £14 net. So our goal is to um, offer everything the client needs kind of within that CPM. Okay. That's helpful. Matthew, what is your one to two year product roadmap? Good question. So we have this uh, like mission of creating uh, a more user-friendly ad-funded internet. So um, I, I really care passionately about the ad-funded nature of it, like supporting really high quality media and then making it user-friendly is, is like at the core of everything we're doing. So at the moment for the next six to nine months, we're investing heavily in what we're calling internally. I don't know if it's going to be called this. Picnic Inventory Quality Score or PIC, which is uh, like a accessible from third parties and used internally database of ways of understanding uh, inventory quality uh, at scale using both data science and human intelligence. So I mentioned a few of them at the beginning, you know, our ad density tool, but we're, we're building out 10 to 20 columns of data, which we want to fill and be able to um, uh, provide insights across every single domain on the internet on what would, um, uh, on what on how high quality a website is, both from the user's perspective and then how it leads into results. So this is going to be, this is fundamentally changing like how we have previously bought media. Like when we first started as a two-man business, it was very much like speaking to publishers um, mm-hmm. and siphoning off Google AMP inventory initially and then Core Web Vitals. The plan we pick is to allow us to do that all automated at scale and and really, really precise understanding. And the the end goal over the next 12 months is to get placement level understanding of which ad placements on high quality sites will drive the best performance and also the best user experience for an ad campaign. So so that's part one of, of uh, the goal. And then part two is building out formats and features into the brands, uh, into those solutions I mentioned in order to give more optionality for advertisers. So the first thing we're focusing on, which was again, probably a six month job is building pre-roll video deeply into that ecosystem, having placement level understanding of every single video placement across the internet and whether it pre-roll has declared uh, how much of the screen it takes off and it takes up an average um, uh, ad load to give an understanding of quality as well as just kind of standard metrics like view through through rate. And then uh, building out high impact formats, which fit all of those kind of characteristics I mentioned earlier, but now across desktop uh, as well. So yeah, building more automation and then scale uh, and additional formats to what we do is is the goal at the moment. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it almost sounds like you're trying to elevate the perception of mobile advertising in general, the value that it's, that brands hold 
or a tribute to it. You know, people don't always love mobile advertising. You're, you're, it seems like you're trying to push that to another place. I mean, it's been what I've cared about since graduating university. Like I, I worked at a mobile creative agency. I was doing uh, presentations at the IAB telling people that digital agencies could do mobile, I think is kind of a very much a mobile native customer, like removing kind of media buying or, or, or you know, founder hats. I, I care about the experience that uh, I have on my phone. And that's the ethos we have now with our with the company. It's not just mobile I care about, it, what the business is going out. It's like the web in general. But our view from day one has been to create a better internet through high quality uh-huh. experiences. Um, and yeah, that's the kind of direction we'll continue heading in. Matthew, what can you tell us about business metrics, revenue growth, profitability, et cetera? Yeah. So as I said, the, we, we founded in 2019, the first three years were over hundred percent growth and profitable. So we were bootstrapped through for that period when we hit 2022, we, yeah, 2022, we had the kind of same hits that quite a lot of the business had, uh, the, the, the uh, ad tech industry had. So we weren't growing at hundred percent growth that year. Uh, um, significantly lower than that. Uh, but the focus now has been on um, uh, a shift towards profitability. So we raise money in order to kind of professionalize the business and hire in a CFO, a head of product, uh, um, a head of operations. And those are all things that I was doing myself previously. Um, so we raise money for the right reasons, but now we're focused on profitability. And uh, the goal is to increase revenue uh, uh, a lot larger than we n- n- uh, increase um, headcount, reduce burn rate, um, uh, and be profitable within the next six to nine months well month a month profitable within the the next six to nine months and uh next year uh we uh predict will be profitable okay matthew it is time for the lightning round are you Uh, ready i'm ready this should be quick top of your top of your head answers all right what is the one competitive advantage you have versus other solutions the fact that we care so much about the environments that we serve in that we would never have anything which is a badly formatted creative served in a horrible environment and we have five years of proof to 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 back that up with all right why won't the walled gardens like google facebook and amazon just crush you uh because advertisers like working with partners that deliver value on top of that we're work- we have an ex- example of that at the moment if agencies tell advertisers to put all their money in social then they're not doing their job and we provide a cost-effective product which delivers um, the same value with people that they like working with all right what's your biggest product or market challenge um Sourcing through the the kind of huge amounts of data on either quality or just like ad tech data in general to find the kind of needles in the haystack, which actually shift the needle, both in terms of creating a better user experience or driving uh, value for the advertisers. There's a lot of kind of fuddy data out there, which we uh, have to sort through. Gotcha. Uh, What is the number one reason customers choose not to use your product? Good question probably because they have the agency might have a trading deal with a competitive product so even if uh-huh. we're better than them they're another customer uh, another provider can kind of do 70 percent, and they're just happy to do uh, go ahead with that okay lastly if your company was an animal what animal would it be well we're called picnic so i guess we'll go for a bear teddy bear <laughs> that makes sense all right great stuff matthew thanks for your time here thank you for subscribing to architecture New interviews are added every week at Markitecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.